Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 7, verses 1 through 73. Hey, good evening. It's uh, Pastor Michael Petit. Uh, We want to welcome you to Calvary Chapel Divine uh, Texas. Uh, wonderful things that uh, are happening here. We uh, were just talking to the Chamber of Commerce uh, leader and they were talking about just some of the things that are going to be happening uh, with Cactus Fest. What is Cactus Fest? That's probably what you're going to ask next. Is uh, Cactus Fest is actually a, uh, an opportunity for Divine uh, to showcase uh, just the city. And so they have just a wonderful, um, not just rides, but they do uh, two stages of music and and just a a ton of stuff that's going to be happening. And we've been asked uh, to serve. And and so we're going to take the opportunity to serve. So we need to be praying about that. Um, We're actually uh, really excited about it. It's coming up in November. Uh, but, the, you know, I, I think about Nehemiah. Nehemiah prayed for four months before he ever went to Jerusalem. So we definitely need to be in prayer uh, for the Cactus Fest. So if you uh, want to join with us about uh, praying, because it's a great opportunity for us to meet people from Lytle and Natalia and Divine and uh, Hondo. But at the same time, meet some of the people uh, that are in San Antonio as well. Uh, because a lot of people come out to the Cactus Fest. It's a wonderful uh, event, and uh, hopefully we get to see you there because they block off the street. They do a lot of different stuff. They have a lot of activities for the kids as well. And so, um, yeah, so just keep that in prayer. So tonight we got 73 verses. And I'm sure you're probably thinking, oh, my Lord, that's a lot. Um, what we're going to do is we're really going to hone in on verses 1 through 7. And then once we get to the genealogy, which is in there. And the genealogy reminds you a lot of Genesis 49 or Hebrews 11. Uh, the, the names are in there for a reason. And, and, and God has them written down. And it's a reminder to us that our, our names uh, should be in the book of life. We, when we f- become a follower of Christ... Uh, we know that our name is written down in the book of life, and uh, and so if that's 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 not you, that's an opportunity for you to to make that choice uh, this evening. Um, uh, but we're going to look into uh, this chapter uh, because the wall is finished. So the attacks from the enemy happen in chapters. Uh, once they started doing the work in chapter three, everything was working really well. They were working in unity. And then the enemy comes in in chapter 4, 5, and 6. And they went from uh, being ridiculed to uh, being mocked uh, to being threatened physically. Uh, and then the attacks we saw last week were geared at Nehemiah uh, to the point where they were trying to uh, ruin his reputation uh, they were trying to say that he was coming against the king and, and trying to, to create his own, uh, his own uh, city and kingdom. And then we saw them even try to kill him by going to get him in, to go into the temple. And so uh, now we get into, uh, as Nehemiah 6 finished, we, we saw the wall was done. They had completed the wall. Uh, and, and this week when we get into chapter 7, uh, this week deals with them actually putting, uh, Nehemiah actually putting people in place to do the work for the temple and uh, to start the process uh, as the restoration is continued. So what we see here and what I entitled this tonight is from, from the rubble to restoration, from, from the rubble to restoration. And that's really 
uh, any one of us that have become a follower of Christ, we have been in the rubble at some point. And God has restored us, and, and that's the beauty of Jesus. And so let's pray, and then we'll go ahead and get started into the Scripture. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for uh, today. We do pray, and we ask, Lord, that you be with us. Help us and guide us to, to be able to understand your word. And uh, at the same time, uh, we uh, just ask for application, Lord. Uh, I want to lift up my, my daughter's, uh, her husband's uh, aunt is in the hospital sick right now, uh, having a hard time breathing. And so we lift her up as well. Uh, we just pray for her, Lord. We pray that uh, that you would give the doctors wisdom and guidance. And uh, and we also pray we have someone that has uh, a back uh, that is, is hurting, that, that may require surgery, and we pray for that. We pray for healing uh, with that. And, and, um, and I also pray just for... Uh, for anyone else that may be dealing with uh, illness or pain, uh, that you be with them and, and bring peace to them to be able to be with you in this moment, to understand and, and just glean from your word, Lord. And uh, we thank you so much. We thank you for all that you're doing in Divine. We do pray for the Cactus Fest. We pray for opportunities to serve, opportunities to meet new people and, uh, and, and just see... Uh, the lost souls of, of, uh, of this area come to know Christ. Uh, we thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So last week as we dealt with, and, I, and I, one of the things I wanted to kind of share is we kind of, we talked about Sam Ballad and Tobiah, right? And, and the prophets, even the prophets uh, that were coming against um, Nehemiah. And they had all these letters going back and forth. So they had been trying to plot against them uh, from the very beginning, right? Uh, and so you had Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem were really the, the main guys that created the chaos. And, and Nehemiah always handled it with prayer. Uh, he always handled it with spiritual discernment. He was always led by the Lord. And, and one of the things he didn't do is he didn't get into arguments or fight or and so one thing I, I want to remind us is as you know as we leave that conflict you know from chapters four five and six just remember Matthew 7 verses 1 through 5 says this judge not that you uh, be not judged for with judgment you pronounce you will be judged and with measure if you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you take? Uh, how can you say to your brother, "Let me take the speck out of your eye," when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite! First, take the log out of your own eye, then you will clearly, uh, then uh, you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I love that because this really goes back to how Nehemiah handled things. He never really dealt with trying to point out Tobiah and Sambalan and Geshem's mess. He just went to God with it. And that's something, too, when somebody's attacking us personally or, or coming against us and trying to um, uh, bring false accusations or whatever, you know, we need to give that over to God and let God judge and, and just continue to pray and ask God to reveal and uh, remove and, and do what needs to be done. Um, you know, and, and also remember, because we talked about the prophet that was uh, involved in everything, is that there are, you know, we talked about this last week, is there are sheeps, uh, sheep uh, in, in Matthew 17, 15, I couldn't get it out. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but in, inwardly are ravenous wolves. And that's true. Uh, there are people in the church. We just we just learned that last week. And when we were in the book of Mark, we we have Jesus proclaiming uh, and teaching in the in the synagogue, which is the church. And boom, an unclean spirit steps up. It was in the church. And I, one of the questions I asked uh, uh, the congregation is like, how long has that person been sitting in the church? And trying to pull other people away. You know, it, it happens. Uh, Romans 14.1 says, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One thing we need to understand is when we have new people 
come into the church. We don't need to quarrel over the, the little things, you know, uh, try to win arguments and all that stuff because they're still learning the faith. Um, and we have an obligation to, uh, to, to help build them up. That's what we're supposed to do. And that's what Romans 15, 1 and 2 does. And that, that's really what I feel like Nehemiah was trying to do. Even though he had all these sheep's, um, sheep's clothing, these wolves and sheep's clothing, Nehemiah was still working with the people to try to, uh, can, as they continue to do the work, to try to encourage them to keep doing it and keep doing what God had put on their heart. And in Romans 15, 1 and 2, it says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good uh, to build him up. And that's really what we should do. Our, that should be our response as we have people who are undermining the work of God's servants. Okay? So that really deals with chapter 6. And now as we get into 7, the wall's complete. 52 days, the wall's done. 52 days, the wall's complete. From rubble, when, when Nehemiah first got there, to a full, complete wall surrounding the city. And, and, and it was all done by the work of the people. They were all doing it. Uh, God led them. God guided them. God gifted them to be able to do the work. Remember, we had people that were um, you know, perfumers that were building walls. We had families and their daughters, because they had no sons, their daughters went out to help build the wall. We had locksmiths, and, 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 and they were helping to build the wall. And priests as well. And, and we see all of this happening, and it was God that was orchestrating everything. And all of this is in preparation for who? Jesus. This is all in preparation for that triumphal entry when he comes into the city. And those walls will still be there. And, you know, at the same time, it's just wonderful to see what God can do uh, with the group of people that are, are working uh, towards doing the work of, of the Lord. So, uh, And that's something for us, too, is as we're working in the city, serving in the city, it's a, a great opportunity to see uh, a group of people within the city come together. And so that's why I'm always excited about uh, events where it draws the city together so uh, the cactus fest really excites me uh, and so I, I'm praying for that second uh, John chapter 1 verse 8 says watch yourself so that you may not lose what we have worked for but may win a full reward so now the work is done and a lot of times when we get done doing the work is when we get tired and the enemy comes and pulls us away but one of the wonderful things about this when we get into chapter 8 is we're going to see just God's work that's going to happen as they come back to the Word of God and they repent. And and it's just a, a blessing to see uh, the work continue. Uh, and so for us, I mean, that's one of the things we need to remember is we need to be uh, walking closely with the Lord and obey His voice. And, and even when we're tired, we need to continue to keep seeking to hear from Him and being in His Word. Uh, Nehemiah chapter one, uh, chapter seven, verse one says, "Now when the wall had been built, and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers, the singers and the Levites had been appointed." And so what we see is uh, now uh, he's going to start appointing people as they're hanging the last doors. Everything's been set, um, and now he's going to start appointing people. And and one thing that we need to remember is that God has a place for us in in the church you know each of us have a place in the church uh, we've all been gifted with at least one gift uh, there's not a church that is uh, without uh, you know every church has availability for you to serve that's that's one thing that we need to remember uh, you've been predestined and adopted and and um, but I love what it says in, in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 5 and 6 it says he predestined us for adoption to himself sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he blessed us in uh, the beloved and so God has chosen you uh, God wants to uh, allow you to be used for his kingdom 
Um, we know that we're uh, a royal priesthood. We're part of the holy nation. Uh, and God is, is calling you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. And that's that's First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you are chosen, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, uh, a people for his, uh, his own possession, that you may proclaim the, the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so we, we, he's calling those to serve. So he has the gatekeepers, right? And now he's going to call the singers, right? And so next we see the singers. And one of the things that we, we, we were really blessed with is having Sarah do worship. Um, and and it's, it's a, so important to remember the power of praise, to, to remember the power of worship. Uh, worship actually ushers you into the Word of God. It prepares you for the Word. And so that's why it's important to be at, at church, you know, uh, and, and to be uh, at worship, not showing up to worship midway through or showing up as worship's finishing, but actually being at worship. We praise. Remember Acts chapter 16, verses 25 and 26. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. They were singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison uh, were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. I, I love the fact they're singing worship in such a difficult time and that's really what worship uh, can be. It can lift the hearts of those that are hurting. It can lift the hearts of us when we're going through difficulty. And we see that one of the things I love is the prisoners were listening to them. It's important to have singers, to have people to praise God. And, and Psalm, we're going to go through a bunch of a bunch of verses here about about praise and worship here. So uh, just be ready with your pen and paper as you are or, or your tablet or your notes here, because it's going to be quick. So Psalm forty-seven, five and seven says, "God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praise to God. Sing praises." Sing praises to our God, sing praises, for God is the King of all the earth, sing praises with a psalm. And so we, we are to, uh, it, it's not about, you know, um, emotions and feelings, but it's about us understanding who we're singing praise to. We're actually coming uh, before God to sing His praises. Um, and talk about our king and, and uh, we find we can find joy in that, right? Uh, Psalm 104 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and bless the court with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Psalm 1, 150 verse 5 says, praise him with sounding cymbals, praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Uh, Psalm 32:11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteousness, and shout for joy all your upright in heart. Psalm 47.1, clap your hands, all peoples, shout to God with loud songs of joy. Psalm 81.1, sing aloud to God our strength, shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Psalm 59.16, it says, uh, but I will sing of your strength, I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning, for you have been my fortress and, and a refuge in the day of distress. So we see that passion of, of he is my strength and I sing to him because he is my Lord. Um, we want passion for worship, but remember worship should not be about you. It's not it's not like the Blues Brothers or I don't know if y'all remember, that's probably dating myself, but the Blues Brothers movie when, you know, James Brown is, is acting like a preacher and, and then, you know, John Blue, she starts doing cartwheels down the and people are dancing in the aisle. That's that's not about that's not about God. What that does is bring attention to you, and and takes the focus off of worship, which is to God. And so we we I, I'm all for clapping. I'm all for raising hands. I'm all for you know. But if it starts bringing attention to you, you know that's where we need to be careful because we need to remember that we're singing to who, God. We're 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 praising who. God and so that's where our focus should be. We can get enthusiastic about a lot of stuff, but 
you know, I'm, I'm not sure for most it's, it, it, that's one thing that, that we need to, we need to be thinking about. So praise is something that we, uh, we, we need to remember, um, that, that God has, has placed on our hearts that, that when we come, uh, to, uh, really be in the word, we come to praise and, and sometimes we can be in the car and, 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 and just be, having a really difficult day and you can put it on k-love or air one or you put it on k-wave or uh whatever your christian station is and you start having some of the worship songs come on and you can start singing um and it and, and it just lifts you because you're putting your focus on god ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 and 19 says and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So you, you get what he's saying here. He's like, hey, don't be drunk. And be filled with that, because that's debauchery. And I, you know, I'm not going to get into all the drinking thing, because, you know, but he's saying be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, because... I love what he says, you're addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody to who? To the Lord with what? Your heart. Joy. You, you, your heart is flying that flag of joy, right? Because Jesus has made a residence where? In your heart. That's what praise is. And, and then next, as we saw the gatekeepers, the singers, we see the Levites had been appointed. And so the Levites, you know, as they, uh, they, they will be there to practice and, and perform the, the gifts of, of uh, you know, doing the work of, of the temple. And, and, uh, and so now they're appointed. And then we see, I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, uh, the governor of the castle charge over Jerusalem, for he was a uh, he was more faithful and a God-fearing man than many, and so we see you can remember Hanani was actually back from Nehemiah chapter one verse two. He was the man who came and told uh, Nehemiah what was happening in Jerusalem, how the city was under siege and. Uh, people couldn't live there safely because they had robbers and people coming in and stealing and temple worship couldn't really be done because there was no walls and so in, in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 2 it says that Hanani or Hanani I'm sorry Hanani one of my brothers came with uh, with certain men from Ju Judah and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped who had survived the exile concerning Jerusalem so he knows Hanani's character already, right? He knows that he has godly character. And when we have women and men serve in, in ministry, you know, we should kind of have an idea uh, of their their character uh, as far as their godly character, the way that they uh, carry themselves. And and that doesn't mean that you're perfection. What it means is there's you, you're showing uh, a desire uh, of of you have a god fearing like a reverence for the lord and you have a passion for what what god is doing you know and you want to be a part of that and and that's really the availability of it and so we need to we need to remember that you know we we all need supporting staff it you know nobody can do this on their own the the pastor can't do everything and unfortunately, I think a lot of people in the church think it's the pastor's job to evangelize, the pastor's job to share the gospel and go out to the city. It's the pastor's job to, to set up. It's the pastor, you know, we need servants. There's availability in every church. It doesn't matter where what church you go into. They'll, they'll have a position available ready for you to serve. It's, it's just the reality of it. Acts chapter 6 verse 3 says, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of spirit and of wisdom, whom he will appoint to this duty. And so when they were needing um, deacons, they, they had them pick out what? And some seven men that had good repute. They were what? Full of spirit and had wisdom. And, and most of them are already doing the work already of a deacon. They would stand out. Remember, three-fourths of ministry is just you showing up, okay? It's just you showing up. 
And, and so we need to remember that. I mean, uh, God uh, really can do a lot with consistency. And so that's why, and I've shared this with y'all before about being fat, faithful, available, teachable. You know, B- Billy Graham talked about having people that were that acronym fat uh, or surrounding him that were faithful, available, and teachable. And I wanted, one of the things I love is uh, Billy Graham even talked about it towards the end of his life about still being teachable, no matter what your age is. Uh, no matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, you need to be teachable. Uh, you know, and and so we can't we can't do it all on our own. Just remember that. Uh, and so Nehemiah is going to pick people uh, to step up and 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 serve. So, um, and I think that's what those verses when we talk about the apostles when they picked uh, the men, they, and it says the twelve summoned the full number in Acts chapter six verse two. Uh, the full number of the disciples and said to, uh, said it's not right that we should give up preaching the word to uh, word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, and this is verse three, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And and honestly, that's where my focus needs to be. And as a pastor is to devote myself in prayer and to the word. Uh, it's, it's, you know, we need people to step up and step in. And, and that's in every church. All right. So, now we see in, in verse 3, and he says, And I said to them, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And while they are standing guard, let them shut and bar the doors, appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some, uh, some at the, the guard posts and some in front of their own homes. Now for me, when I read this, uh, I'm going to key in on something for the guys real quick, for the men, um, for the husbands and the dads. When I read that some in front of their own homes, put, point, put a guard in front of your own home, that's you as a pastor of your home, okay? Now, if, you, if, you're, if you're a father listening to this, or you're, you're a father here, you're a dad, um, you need to be posted up at your door, protecting your family, protecting your marriage, protecting your wife, protecting your kids. Because the enemy wants to come steal, kill, and destroy. And, and let me tell you something. He doesn't need to come through the front door. He can just come through that phone. And so you need to be mindful. And, and not just mindful, but being on guard duty, you're actually alert. You're actually aware. You're actually you know, paying attention. You, know, you don't fall asleep on guard duty. That was something in the military, I remember. That's a bad thing to do because you put everybody else at risk. Now, I'm saying that to dads and husbands, but what if you're single? Or what if you're a widow? Remember that Jesus, because you're single and you're a widow, that Jesus is posted up. And your relationship with the Lord should be primary. But it's it's still your job to as a single mom or as a, as a widow with kids to to be the way that Timothy's grandmother and mother was to Timothy how they sewed into them uh, it's very important that we remember that because I think you know we we think that that you know that and I want to make sure because I'm talking to the congregation is that even even guarding, you know, as we talk about guarding uh, the husband being posted at the door, you know, if you're a single mom, you have to be that. And I know that's a lot. You already have a lot on your plate. But I, I know in Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in, in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. And if you're a widow, you can look at Ruth, Right? Uh, and, and Ruth chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 if you're a widow Jesus is your husband right now I, I remember my mom uh, my 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 wife telling her mom that like, Jesus is your husband I mean we're here we're helping we'll do whatever we can but you're never alone Jesus is your husband I don't know I just thought that was beautiful to hear uh, Ruth chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 says, But Ruth said, Do not urge me 
to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge, and your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. My Lord, do so to me, and more also, if anything, but death parts me from you. And these were widows, and, and you know, just have that sincere faith of... of Guarding, you know, we're supposed to stay awake. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 37 tells us, And what I say to you, I say to all. And Jesus said, Stay awake, stay awake, don't fall asleep, be on guard, be at post, be guarding your houses. Uh, verse 4 says, The city was wide and large, but the people within it were few, and no houses had been rebuilt. So we have this huge city and and i know that a lot of you have probably seen jerusalem now and you see just the amount of people that are in jerusalem how packed it is so imagine that being empty and just the wall surrounding and just little houses being sprinkled around here and there uh, there was this vastness and and god is going to draw people back to his holy city and the city was wide and large but the people within it were few and no houses had been rebuilt then my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles and the officials and the people to be enrolled by genealogy. And I found the book of genealogy and those who came up first, and I found written in it. These were the people of the province who came up out of captivity and those of exiles of whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried into exile. And they returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his town. And so Nehemiah has it put on his heart. I love that because I believe that God does this. This is why we, we're in his word. We're in prayer and we're seeking his will to be led by his spirit because God puts things on our hearts to step out in faith and do. Uh, for us, it was to leave and go to divine. And the Lord closed and we asked God. We were like, Lord, open the door that you need to open. And close all the rest of them so that we know that this is where you want us. And, and God created that. And we had to take that step of faith. It was put on my heart to go out and plant a church and divine. And God puts things on your heart. But it's, it's, are you going to be obedient and be willing to do it? Um, the other thing we see is that we see that the, it's a reminder that they had been taken exile from, from Nebuchadnezzar. And now they're returning. So God has fulfilled that promise or that prophecy of them returning. And then we see a list of names in verse 7. And this is where I'm going to kind of group everything because I think it's important. I, uh, one of the things that we need to look at as we look at these verses, we, we see uh, verses, when we get into verse um, verses 7 really through 73, um, you're dealing with a list of all the men, the laymen, the Jews, which is a very long list that goes all the way from 8 to 38. And then you also have those that are living descendants, those that are living descendants, and the 20 peoples came from, and that they're covered in, in verses 8 through 25. And then you have the towns of people returning exile came from. Uh, so they, they're returning, and he gives you the towns, and that's covered in verses 26 through 28. And so there's a lot there. And, and we have the same genealogy listed in, in verse 7, listed in Ezra chapter 2, verse 2. And so, like I said, I'm not going to go through each name uh, because a couple things would happen. Uh, one, you would be so focused on how badly I pronounce them, or you're wondering, is that actually how you pronounce them? And it takes away from what we're trying to learn, so I'm not going to do that. So when you get time, you need to go through this. And, and so, uh, you know, it's it, a couple names that are important. We see Nehemiah's name there, uh, but we also see Zerubbabel and, and Yesh Yeshua. Uh, they were part of Ezra, you know, uh, that, that came in in Ezra chapter 2, part of the, the original uh, number. And so, um, you know, in Ezra 2, we had Zerubbabel and Yeshua, and they're listed here, and so that's very important. Uh, but when we look at this, we may think of this as like, man, this is a lot of names. Why would God put them in there? It's very important. It's the same as him writing out the genealogy in, in uh, 
uh, in Matthew or Luke. It's, a, it's the same as writing out the genealogy in, in Genesis 49 or Hebrews 11. When God puts these names down, it's important. And one of the things we need to remember is our name needs to be recorded in the, the book of life. Right, and Psalm one twelve six says, "For the righteous will never be moved; he will be remembered forever." And so, Psalm one forty seven four says, "He determines the number of stars; he gives to all of them their names." And so, God knows the name of every star, and these names are just as important. If He named the stars, these names are just as important. And it's a reminder to us as if you're a child of God, how important you are to Him. In Luke chapter 7, uh, 12 verse 7, it says, Why even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. Right? You have value. You may not feel like that. You may feel like you're still in the rubble. But God can do the restoration. It takes that step of faith in walking with Him. So Yeshua, one of the names that was listed there, he was actually a descendant of Aaron. Okay? That goes all the way back to, to Moses. Uh, he was a descendant of Aaron. And then you had Zerubbabel, who was actually from King David. He was part of the lineage of King David. And they were leaders. And so Zerubbabel was part of the, the, uh, the tribe of Judah. And that's all covered in, in Ezra chapter 3, verse 2, because it says the, uh, his kinsmen, and, and they built the altar of God of Israel, to offer burnt offerings on it as it was written in the law of Moses, the man of God. So that was Yeshua and Zerubbabel that was there that did that. We see a list of Jewish leaders, religious leaders that are listed here. Uh, and one of the things that we do know is, is they're covered in verses 8 through 38. Uh, and then we see a list of priests that are listed in verses 39 through 42. Right? And their descendants, again, these are uh, descendants of Aaron, uh, you know, Yeshua that's listed there. Um, and, and what's crazy about this is like Nehemiah only had four priests, right? He only had four to start with. But David had 24 rotating groups. That's, that's you know, the impact of sin. You know, look at they had 24 ro rotating groups that restored and reorganized and rotating groups that actually handled the, the work of the temple. And Nehemiah has four. And that's what the captivity of Babylonian, when they when they were pulled away by Nebuchadnezzar, that's the, the they they wouldn't return they wouldn't repent of their sin. And so we see the impact of it here. They don't have many priests that are returning, but they have some and they're gonna they're they're gonna work with what they have. Uh, verses 43, again, there's Yeshua, and it, it talks uh, about him being a, a, a original descendant of, of the Levi, Levites, and, um, and he's going to help with the rotation of the priests. Then you have the singers that are listed in verses 44 and, um, and 45. And so they, they, you know, they are, we just talked about praise. They, they, the singers list were, were, were like the gatekeepers are taking it, taken from the Levites. And then we have the temple worship, those that are going to serve in the temple in verses 46 through 56. These are going to be servants uh, that, that do the things that we would consider menial, like carry wood or carry uh, clean utensils. And, and that, that goes back to the Gibeonites. This goes back all the way to Joshua chapter 9, verse 22 and 23, because we see actually within that there was, um, it, it's kind of crazy because remember, they were the ones who tried to make themselves look like they had been on this long journey with old wine sacks and torn up sandals and all this, and they really just came from down the street. And, and what did Joshua tell them? Joshua said and summoned them, and he said to them, Why did you deceive us, saying, We are very far from you when you dwell among us? Now therefore you are cursed, and some of you shall never be anything but servants, cutters of wood, and drawers of water for the house of my God. And here they are doing that. That's in Joshua 9, verses 22 and 23. And those are the Gibeonites. Those that are listed as temple servants. They're going to be serving, and they're still doing what they were said back in Joshua. Uh, and then verses 57 
uh, through 60, we deal with the temple servants. They were actually part of the Sons of Solomon. And they were important because they were volunteers. They were people that decided to go with Ezra. And they just stepped up and, 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 and went and labored with Ezra uh, and volunteered to go. Um, and, and, you know, they, they exactly, I mean, at the end of the day, they were uh, really highly, um, what is the word I would say, they, they, they volunteered, but they, they were looked upon highly because of them volunteering. Uh, and, and here they are, they're listed in the, in the genealogy. And then we had verses 61 through 64. Um, and these are people that they couldn't figure out their lineage. And so it actually deals with it in verse 64. It says, These sought their registration among those enrolled in the genealogies, but it was not found there. So they were excluded from the priesthood as unclean. The governor told them that they were to tar- not to partake in the most holy uh, until the priest with the Urim and the Thurim would, uh, should arise. And so what's happening is they cannot, they, can't, they can't actually prove their lineage. So you may say, like, I'm a descendant of, you know, I'm a descendant of Napoleon or I'm a descendant of, of the Queen of England. I'm a descendant of Martin Luther King or I'm a descendant of whoever, right? But you can't prove that. Your genealogy doesn't line up with that. And so they weren't able to prove this. And so what they would do is they said, okay, when, uh, when the priest comes and, and the priest would have the lights, which is the Urim, and then the Thurim is the perfections. They were, this was the gemstones. And this was what the, the high priest, uh, the ephod, the priestly garment that he would wear. And then he would determine God's will in the situation. And you're either a priest or you're not. And, and so that's what's going to happen. And so they, they weren't able to prove their priesthood or, or prove their lineage. And so that, that's going to have to be done in order for, that to be, uh, for them to be able to serve. As of right now, they're unclean. In verses 66 through, um, uh, through uh, 69, it deals, with, um, it deals with the census of the Jews, which is the other numbers of servants. So it's more servants that are going to be used in the temple. And then verses 70 through 73... Uh, actually, 70 through 72 deals with the um, treasury, what money is available, um, the things that have been provided for the city um, in order for them to be able to do the worship of the Lord. Uh, and, and, and honestly, that's something that we have to remember is even though church is church, church is also a business. Um, you know, we have to pay for our light bill. We have to pay for our, um, you know, our rent or our, our mortgage. We have all those things too. And so we depend on the tide, uh, the same way that they had, uh, an accountability. But I love this too, is they accounted for every item and that's how it should be. It's, it's not my money, it's God's. And so I need to remember that as I'm doing the books or I'm doing, um, preparing to uh, take care of things. It's like it's that is all needs to be accounted for because it belongs to the Lord. And and so it's it's just important to remember that. Um, and it's also for us too. I mean, it, as a community, one of the things I love about Calvary, and it's always been that way, is the tide is always between you and the Lord. We don't do a formal offering. It's it's between you and God. You know, it's it, you, we want you to be led as God leads you. And we, we do believe the scriptures where it says, you know, God says, test me in those areas, especially. But God loves a cheerful giver. And, and so in order for them to, to be able to do the worship in the temple, it's going to require people uh, to serve. It's going to require people to come together. And, and it's going to require finances to be able to have all of that come back and so we see in verse 73 it says so the priests the levites the gatekeepers the singers some of the people the temple servants and all of israel lived in their towns and when the seventh month had come the people of israel were in their town so eventually what will happen is they will begin to make their way into town and houses will be built and the city will begin to blossom and go 
So Nehemiah, real quick, as we close up, uh, remember chapter one dealt with the concern of the people. We see Nehemiah praying for four months and, and wanting to go and help the people. And then we see in verses two and three, the construction, the, the city coming together. And then we deal with the enemy coming in in verses four through seven. And then the next chapters that we go through in chapters eight through 12, will deal with the consecration uh, and just the people coming to the word, which is amazing. Uh, Nehemiah, as a leader, I love is, is he knew it was time to appoint leaders. He couldn't do everything. And so he picked God-fearing men. Um, he also knew that the work was going to need financial support. And so they, they, they did an accountability of what they had on hand, and also people donated so, uh, so the work of the Lord could continue. And then Nehemiah also knew it was time for the Feast of the Trumpets. And so when we get into chapter 8, we're going to be dealing with the Word of God and the confession of sin. Um, you know, application for us, um, stay awake. Are you on guard duty? Are you, are you, are you posted up in, in, in there to, uh, to make sure your kids and, and your, your spouse is not being taken away by the enemy? You know, um, you need to be at the gate. You need to be ready and, and uh, understand that there's always an enemy there trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, Psalm 127.1 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain unless the Lord watches over the city. The watchman stays awake in vain. The, the work that we do for the Lord, we need to remember that it, it needs to be done and led by God. Because we're, if not, we're just doing it. We're laboring in vain. And the work that Nehemiah uh, was doing was done for the Lord and, and was guided by God. And, and so we need to, as, as followers of Christ, we need to be doing the same thing. Uh, some of us may be in that place of rubble tonight where we have some areas of our life that just are, we just feel crushed. And, and you're just looking at the rubble of, a, of something that's happened in your life recently and understand that God can restore. Just like he restored this wall in 52 days, God can restore uh, and, and bring life to your life. And so don't, one thing I remember uh, just Pastor Skip Isaac saying, which I loved, it's like you can be 10 steps from the Lord, you can be 10,000 steps from the Lord, you can be 10 million steps from the Lord, but all it takes is one step of, of an about face to repent and you're back in a right standing with God and, and restore your relationship with the Lord. If you're not spending time in His Word, do. If you're not spending time in prayer, do. These were all things that Nehemiah did. Um, I, I, if I can encourage you with this, you know, as a follower of Christ, you should have a passion for the Bible. Nehemiah did, right? Nehemiah knew the Word of God. Nehemiah knew exactly what he was supposed to be doing uh, because he knew he couldn't go into the temple because he knew what? That, that, that he would be killed because he knew the Word of God. And so for us, we need to, we need to um, you know, be in the Word. We also need to have a passion for prayer. You know, Nehemiah had that passion for prayer uh, as a church and, and, and also as an individual. You know, we need to be praying. Uh, we also need to have a passion to, to live for righteousness. You know, Nehemiah looked for God-fearing men, and, and, and we need to be looking for God-fearing men and women to serve in the church, that they have a passion for living holy and, and righteous. And we also should have a passion to receive daily direction from the Lord. Like, I, I love this, and this, this is actually not mine. It was something I found online uh, that I really loved. And it says, you know, when we talk about these four passions, you know, having uh, the passion for the Word, the passion for prayer, uh, the passion, passion for righteousness, and the passion to be led by the Lord, uh, what we see is we see those four desires working together. And the more we explore God's Word and pray, the greater our understanding of righteousness and how the Holy Spirit works in us to do His will. The more we trust in the Holy Spirit, the more He reminds us of God's Word and reminds us in, to be in prayer with the Lord and leads us into righteousness. And the more we desire to be right before, uh, before the Father, the more we will want to read His Word and be in prayer to hear His voice. And so we need to 
We need to live for the Lord. I guess last is, is, you know, as we think about this genealogy, is your name written in the book of life? Revelation chapter 20, verses 11, 12 says this, Then then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it from his presence, and uh, presence earth, sky, fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, and great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the book, books according to what they had done. The great white throne of judgment, all it takes is one sin. One sin, and you're found guilty. And you spend eternity in hell. Um, the gnashing of teeth, the burning constantly. And, and if you choose, you have to choose to follow Christ here while you're on earth. Um, while you're here before you die um, or before the rapture uh, because the second coming of Christ is going to happen soon and and so you need to make that choice if your name is not written in the book of life you need to ask yourself why haven't I chosen to follow Jesus Christ why haven't I chosen to repent of my sin and follow the gospel of God that Jesus died for you and gave his life on the cross so you could have eternity with him he, he 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 died for the sins of this world so you know that's something that you need to ask yourself is why haven't i chosen to follow him we ask christ into our heart and 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 that's we believe in jesus that jesus died and rose from the dead and and we repent we repent and we begin to follow christ Y'all have a good evening. I want to close out in prayer real quick, but uh, we pray that y'all have a good evening. I know I went a little over on time, but let's pray. God bless you. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for today. We do pray for this message. We pray as we go into Nehemiah chapter 8, what a beautiful verse we're going to be in next week. And we just pray for hearts ready to hear. We thank you for everyone that's here and those that are online and those listening. We just pray that you just do a mighty work in their hearts and if they don't know you let them come to know you let them repent and follow the gospel of jesus christ follow the gospel of god and um, and we just pray that uh, that many would be saved and we ask these things in jesus name amen god bless thank you so much that was pastor michael petit from calvary divine texas remember if you need to get more information on the church you can do that at calvarydivine.org god bless